This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Demon Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. When you need to know exactly what's happening in the world around you, well, there's only one place to turn, and that is the Decibel Geek Podcast, bringing you the latest and greatest happenings in the world of rock and metal music, all the latest and greatest news that you could ever possibly need. It is GeekWire. That's right. So what we do, we're going to talk about what we love, rock music. There's always something to talk about with the bands we love. Drama everywhere in the world of rock. You know, that's that's kind of how it is. So we're going to break it down for you here today. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by the man who's got his finger on the pulse of all the latest happenings in the world of rock and metal. It's Chris Sinzak. How you doing, brother? You staying warm? Yeah, staying warm. Um, I did slip out for a little while and uh, had a nice lunch with Sammy Hagar. And uh, I got to tell you, he said this show's going to be awesome. Really? Yeah. So it's got it's got to be true. Okay, I have no idea what to even make of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a stupid callback to like a month ago. <laughs> well, if he says it's going to be awesome, then it's surely going to bomb. But we're going to do it anyway. Well, we'll just blame him for it. (laughs) Why not? Everybody else does. So, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's all about. It's freaking frigid in Tennessee. I know anybody living north of here is probably laughing, thinking that we are thinking we got it hard. But it's been, yeah, it's been a little frigid, a little chilly, a little icy, a lot of snow. You know, they're making snow angels, all that good stuff, making snowmen or anything. No, no. I I helped clean my daughter's car off the top and got all the snow off the top. And other than that, just letting my dogs in and out. And uh, this morning it was negative three at my house. Yeah, people are laughing right now. Other people are horrified, depending on where in the hemisphere you live. But, I mean, we're here to talk about the news. If you hear us chattering our teeth, you know you know why. But, uh, yeah, what do we got, man? What do, What's going on in the world? A lot of drama, um, a lot, a, a lot of kiss stories. I've got uh, five kiss stories that are involved with uh, today's show. Holy shit! Five kiss stories. That calls for the theme song. Hey, it's those guys, torpedo dudes, kisses and lies. 
the greatest theme song in all of podcasting. <laughs> Geek Wire just suddenly turned into Torpedo Dudes Man, out of nowhere. Any excuse I can use to play that theme song will do it. So let's have it. What's what's going on in in Kiss World? And credit to Pete Larusa for that song. Yeah. Um, so first story, uh, Bruce Kulick has been making the interview rounds on podcast this past week. And, um, he, uh, he's definitely, he's still diplomatic, but it's Bruce venting about as much as you would expect Bruce to vent. Yeah. Okay. And then that's not a lot. Well, he did, um, one of the interviews, well, he did Mike Brun's show. That's a good long form one. Also, he did, uh, artists on record with, uh, Stefan Adika and some of the stuff he talked about included how you know he had i guess early, before the tour he had he had brought up something about being involved in the end of the road tour and doc said something along the lines of well they don't jam like kisses some jam band or something and bruce was like well i get the message now but they don't deviate uh, from the playlist even by a microsecond anymore bruce we can't you can't we can't have you up there rocking out and everyone's like damn look at this guy yeah there's technology involved on this new tour that's right um, technically these have been avatars for years already yeah no shit but uh, the biggest thing that it bothers me i know it's going to bother everyone else is just not that bruce wasn't asked to go up on stage and play with him he didn't even get an invite to the show from the band yeah, well, that's lame, but neither did anybody else. Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, none of them. I just, it, it's just baffling. They to me. made it clear that this wasn't about kissery. This was about kiss as it is now and nothing else. You know, this wasn't other than the songs, you know, that were written all them years ago that they still play. It was nothing about kissery. And it sucks because. There's so much of it and so much of it to be celebrated, but they didn't celebrate any of it. Not even one single little thing. Well, and it was like the, the pre-show for the Madison Square Garden show. Had They did the, this little interview thing for the pay-per-view, and they had Desmond Child came out and talked about working with them. And, of course, the, you know, Nick and Evan and... But no Bruce. But, you know, you got an interview with Chris Angel. Yeah, right. Lame. That's like, what does Chris Angel have to do with any of Right. This? You'd think, obviously, if you were going to do something like that, you'd want the older guys taking a part in that. Yeah, it's just, it's really odd. And Bruce, you could tell, you could just tell he's really hurt by it. I'm sure. I'm sure. And a lot of Bruce Kulick's fans are probably hurt by it, too. You know, hoping that there would be some kind of acknowledgement to the guy because... I mean, as much as everybody always wants to say, oh, Vinnie Vincent saved Kiss, in a lot of ways, Bruce Kulick was the perfect guitar player to keep them afloat in that era of music, you know? So in a lot of ways, Bruce Kulick did a lot to keep Kiss alive in his era, too, but he doesn't get the credit for it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's sad. I, I did see Bruce, you know, he's now not in Grand Funk anymore, so now he's already starting to market himself to Kiss fans more already. There was like a... A pin that he wore on the cover of, or the back cover of uh, Crazy Nights. There, he's like selling a replica of that. And I saw that he's also. I got an email about this. What was it? Um, like online gu- or guitar lessons you can book and stuff oh, like wow. that. Oh wow, that's cool, man. That's good. Good for yeah. him. 
No, I think he should exploit it as much as he possibly can. I mean, because he that the Kiss revenue stream is a, is a good one. So if you have a tie to Kiss, I mean, if, if Vinnie Vincent can continue to pay his bills, then uh, you know it works out pretty good for. Bruce. I would think so too. You know, and that guy's got a lot to offer, and you know he's just genuinely a nice guy that people like. You know, it's not like Vinnie Vincent where. People don't really like the guy so much, so when he does ask for money for things, people usually laugh at him, except for one or two people, I guess. But you charge so much, that makes it worthwhile. But with Bruce, you know, everybody likes the guy. So if you like Bruce Kulik and you like that era of Kiss, keep an eye on what he's offering because you can help the dude out who's been a huge part of history, whether they want to admit it or not. He was. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for whatever he's going to do in the future. He did mention he's going to do... Um, a solo album. He's nice. going to get back to that. So uh, I'm. I love BK3. So I'm always excited to hear more from. Yeah, him. for sure. Yeah, awesome. son evan in the news he did an interview with jeff and i'm not even going to try to butcher his name here of misplacedstraws.com and he, you know the guy asked the natural question would evan consider you know taking dad's place if kiss decided to relaunch and he pretty quickly shot that down was like i've got my own thing going on why would i want to do that eh, give it a couple years <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You might change your mind. You and Nick might be talking together one day and be like, you know what? <laughs> My own thing's not generating as much money as I thought it would. Look how much money Bruce Kulick makes just selling pins and stuff, replicas. Look, Vinnie Vincent can charge all this money for bullshit. You know, maybe we should cash in uh, on kids. They don't have to, though. They're, they're set for their grandchildren's lives. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're welcome, guys. I contributed to that. <laughs> yeah, we all did. And, and so did Chris and many, many oh. people listening to this. Ace, Ace in the news for good and for bad. Um, we'll focus on the good. Okay. And I'll just say is just I wish Ace would stick to a script in interviews. I'll just say that. Well, um, I mean, shit. It's this is technically torpedo, dude. So you know what? I can take it. Go ahead, put it on me. Well, it's just coming off like such a bitter, egomaniacal douchebag in some of these interviews he's oh, doing. Oh, right when he's now. talking about being able to play circles around Paul Stanley and stuff yes, like that, and. And I don't use tapes like Paul Stanley, and it's just, but it's just like such middle school right. type insults. Yeah, that's one of the things that was funny the first time, and then he got a laugh off of it and got some good reactions to it, and he's like, "Oh, I almost say that every time," but that's not how it works, Ace. You got to take it the first time and say, "You know what? Everybody thought that was funny. Don't beat it into the ground." And you know what? You shouldn't have to say stuff like that because everybody already knows. 
that Ace Frehley can play circles around Paul Stanley, and Ace Frehley doesn't use tapes. Some people think he should. <laughs> some nights, not all nights, some nights. And yeah, he's had uh, some rough shows. And you know, you don't you don't need to say it because everybody already knows it. So that's that's a one time punchline. You know, cash it in, yeah. move on. Well, and then. It doesn't help when you're admitting that you're hundreds of thousands in debt to the IRS. Oh, yeah. In an interview, that's not smart. And uh, it also doesn't help that the way you answer some of these questions about the new album makes me wonder, did you just show up to cut your vocals and Steve Brown ran the whole show? Because I'm starting to get that vibe with the way he's answering some of these questions. Oh, no. It's second sighting part two. Exactly. Steve Brown is the new Howarth. Oh, no. I'd rather have Howarth. (laughs) Uh, I like them both. I mean, Tokyo Motorfest is a great yeah, project, that's true. but I that's mean, true. it's. But I'm like, I'm wondering how much, how much Ace is actually on this album. Oh man, I don't like that. I know, me neither. So that's what I'm saying. But um, I'm still excited to hear it. Yeah, if it's oh, good, yeah. it's good. I don't care what circumstances it was made under. Um, but he did uh, let the cat out of the bag that Origins Volume Three will come after Ten Thousand Volts is out. Hmm. The first ones were cool. It's cool to hear Ace doing those songs. I love that he did Rock and Roll Hell off Creatures of the Night, and I'd like to see him do more stuff like that. Like, you know, what if Ace would have sang this song? I love the uh, the the version of Parasite with him and John Five, like going back and forth on the solo. Yeah, yeah. His cover of the Emerald by Thin yeah. Lizzy's badass. I love that. And he's out of the songs by now, like of Wild Thing and all the, the typical ones that everybody does covers of. That that's, was really our main complaint about the first two origins. It's like, oh, yeah, Street Fighting Man. Nobody's ever thought to do a cover of that song. Come on, Ace. So uh, all that shit should be out of the way. Like, the hits are done. Now he's got to do deep cuts, which them turn out to be the best. Well, we did... Two, what we did two episodes about songs we would suggest to him. Yeah, I think, right? yeah. Maybe we should do another one before it's too late. That's always fun to think about. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I like the cover albums. You know, I, I think I like the pattern he has with originals covers, originals. Co- I think it's fun. Yeah. No, it's cool. You know, most of it. <laughs> Another story, but also involving Ace, where Ace probably shouldn't have said something. He said that he got along famously with Vinnie Vincent at last year's Creatures Fest, um, <laughs> which is a nice thing to say, but he also claimed that Creatures Fest happened in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and I also happen to recall Ace being a little snippy that night on, on stage. Yeah, Bruce did an interview, too. All these stories tie together, because Bruce did another interview about the same thing, and Bruce was like, I saw Ace talking fondly about meeting Vinny at Creatures Fest. That's not how I remember. <laughs> no, because he got up on stage and was like, I just need a drummer, you know, because Vinny yeah. wants to use a, a cassette tape. And uh, 
he's, he's giving them shit about that. And then, you know, I don't know. It was it was a fiasco. I'm glad I went to that thing that time just to see what a crazy thing that was. Yeah. Um, bizarre, bizarre story all the way around. But, uh, yeah, but Ace, you know, complimenting Vinny, saying that they got along really, really well. It, it, that equates to the check cashed when it was over. Yeah. Yeah, the check didn't bounce. <laughs> I was told to be on my best behavior, and I'd get paid, and I did, and I was for the most part. <laughs> and, yeah, it was great. That's all I want to say about it. Although his solo band, when they performed, like they had like hyped it up about, like, what, you know, what of these rare songs do you want to hear Ace play? And I can't remember what song won, but he didn't play like any of the songs that were on that list that night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a video that came out this week of one of his live shows where he's like, Jay, if you're thinking about it, you can uh, get one of these laminates over here and come back and meet me. And, you know, you get some signed eight by tens and oh, whatever. I'm not a salesman. (laughs) Wow. He's trying, though. He even when he's cringy, he's entertaining. I'll give him. Yeah, that. that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I can't imagine Ace Frehley's changing up the set list too much at this stage anymore either. No. And uh, speaking of cringy and entertaining, Vinnie Vincent um, now charging an annual fee for his Euphoria Facebook page. Two hundred dollars. Wow. Two hundred dollars, um, and the rules are: if you pay the two hundred dollars and you get in, you can only praise and worship him. <laughs> if, you, if you question anything, you get the boot. No refunds. And no refunds. <laughs> that should be. I think we mentioned in the past. That should be Vinny's next album title. No refunds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a disc of bl- of no nothing. Yeah, it's a blank CDR. <laughs> You can imagine what it would be and record it yourself. It's the do-it-yourself yeah. Finney Vincent album. <laughs> wow. No. That's crazy, though. I mean, I guess you can do that if it's, I mean, it's your Facebook. Doesn't Facebook want their cut? I don't know how that works. I'm not, I, I think he can get away with this because yeah. you're paying, you're paying through his website. You're, you're not paying on through Facebook. Uh. And then it's just, he makes it a private group. He sees you registered. He lets you in. I, I don't think there's anything illegal going on. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's incredibly unethical. How many people do you think he's got signed up for this thing? I I don't know. I did like probably at most one or two. I can imagine. But like, um, I was I had a, a sock a, a sock puppet account that I used on Facebook just so I could be in the the group before. Yeah. And uh, and I got I'm one of the hundreds that got the boot for not paying. Wow. Yeah. That's wild, man. It was at it was at like 900, 900 something members and it, at last I heard it was down to like 80 or something. So these are the people that he really thinks are on the fence. Well, it just keeps it just keeps going up, go down and down and down. I don't I don't think he trusts anybody. Huh. But if it's two people, that's 400 bucks a year. What is, guess, what is yeah. that? That ain't shit. $400 a year? Woo. Hmm. I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't understand the guy. I was just speaking about him the other day to somebody that was saying, you know, 
when you guys finally met up with him and the excitement and the build and everything that went into that, and you guys finally met him, and then like people that weren't even Vinnie Vincent fans and didn't even care about Vinnie Vincent, all of a sudden, because of us, became super invested into him, you know? And he was at that point then in Atlanta, you know, and then he comes on the show, and then he's set up to be at Rockin' Pod, and it was like, it seemed like it was on a real trajectory where something cool would have happened. And it just sucks because it's like you bring in all these extra people that are now looking and watching, going, oh, wow, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Not shit. Same old, same old. And what a, yeah, and no, what a letdown it was. You couldn't have botched it any worse than he did, no. the whole comeback thing. No. He had so much goodwill his way. People were willing to forgive and forget, and he just tanked the entire thing. What a shame. And uh, I think Gene's mentioned it in the past. Or said he said he calls it uh, classic failure mechanism, where once things get going so good, you self sabotage and you torpedo the whole thing. Yeah, you find and a he way. just does it over and over again. Huh. I wonder if that's like a fear of it's a fear of something. You know, the end result. Like you're gonna get it. It's is it too much? Too much pressure? But he's done albums before. I mean, fuck, he's been a member of KISS. Mm -hmm. Like, he should be used to that kind of pressure. No sweat being a member of KISS. Maybe that's a mix of a con artist with mental health issues. That's that's the way I view it. Spending years around Gene and Paul. I wouldn't put all the blame on them. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it didn't help the way. I mean, they, he was treated about as bad as you could be treated at the time. Yeah, you know, and you hear stories about how they treated Eric Carr. You know, and sure, if they're treating Eric Carr like shit, what are they treating Vinnie Vincent like? You know. Oh yeah, I'm sure he probably learned some tricks of the trade through that situation, oh, and then just used him himself. Yeah. Um, but now I'm looking at the best, the funniest part of this, though. Not that I should be laughing at all at it really that much, but. Somebody on Kiss FAQ, like they, they'll still share screenshots from the people that are left in the group. And one of the recent announcements that Vinny uh, or Paul Runner, which is the same person, made was like, you know, been in the studio a bunch, got all these things in the works, February event coming up, blah, blah, blah. And then, but can you also imagine this? Uh, we've been contacted by a movie studio for Vinny to have a song in the next Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Vinny and Freddie together again and all this shit. The funniest part is that's on Kiss FAQ that they posted the screenshot and then a few posts down. I don't know if this is true or not, but the guy goes, yeah, that was me pretending to be New Line Cinema and I emailed him. (laughs) (laughs) What a prank. He said, well, considering how many times he's amped everybody else up about something for it to fall through, I figured I'd do it to him. Wow. What a prank. It's perfect because then once you do it, then you just sit back and wait for it. Wait for it. You know he's got to say something about it. And then when he does, it's like glory. Yeah. What a prank. That's amazing. Yep. I love that. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man.
Well, that's uh, the, the, the kiss round of torpedo dudes within the side of uh, GeekWire. Okay. All right. That's deep right there. Let's get the hell out of it. Uh, okay. Let's do my segment. Let's Yeah, let's transition out of KISS and talk about Rockstar Death Days, album anniversaries, and hey, it's a brand new year. We've got brand new albums coming our way. I'm going to break it all down to you. What do you think? What's first? What do we do? It doesn't matter what order we go in. What do you think? What do you want to hear uh, first? Album anniversary. Okay, let's go to the album anniversaries. Got a bunch on here. It's not like December. Like everybody waits till December's over and then they start busting out those albums. So for the first, well, it's most of January. We're going to do most of January. <laughs> so I'm just picking out some choice ones here. Let's go back 25 years ago to 1999 when you'll get the fifth studio album from the Black Crows entitled By Your Side. You remember that one? I do. They just put out a new song that kind of sounds like something that would have been on that record. Nice. Yeah, that was supposed to be considered like a return to their like first two albums kind of sound. And then, you know, they kind of got jammy and weird after that. But still all cool stuff all the way through. Here's a cool problem to have. This is the Black Crow's lowest charting album of all time. Wow. At 26. What a, hmm. what a problem to have, right? <laughs> yeah. They've always done well. Our worst album was still in the top 30. Can't complain about that. So let's jump back 30 years, album celebrating anniversaries, right around the time that we're recording this here today. 1994, you can talk about ZZ Top, Antenna, talk about a band having to make a return to a classic sound. It's 1994. We're going to actually let the drummer play drums. And they come out with Antenna. Not a bad album. They got the song Pincushion on there. Breakaway is a cool jam. And I always love the song Cover Your Rig. I haven't listened to that in so long. I need to go back and give that, a, that one another spin. Give that one a spin. It's not bad. There's some good stuff on there. Here's another one from 30 years ago. King's X, Dogman. Is it their mm. best album? A lot of people think so. Up there. I might think so, too. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. It's got the dog on the cover, and it had four different cover variants. So if you got this album, what color you got? I think mine, I got the blue one. There was, I had the yellow one. There was blue, yellow, green, and red. Yep. Check, your, uh, check your collection. See what color Dogman CD you got. And if you look there in the King's X section, and you ain't got that one, you should probably go pick it up. Perfect time to do it. At its 30-year anniversary. Here's another one. Makes you feel old. Alice in Chains, Jar of Flies. This is 10 days in the studio with no songs written. Sit down with Toby Wright and the brand new bass player. Let's write some songs. 10 days later, Jar of Flies. That was a fun episode with Toby Wright. Yeah. A lot of great stories in that Yeah, one. man. One of my favorites. What a cool guy. We need to get him back on the show, even if we got to call him from, yep. from miles and miles away. All right, so then this takes us back 35 years. These are anniversaries from 1989. Man, some damn good ones, too. The debut album from Skid Row. There's another one, a great album's Unleashed that you can go back and listen to. Yeah, I remember getting it for Christmas that year. I did, too. I did, too. I got it on LP. That was one of those deals where my aunt and uncle are going to try to buy me some Pink Floyd, but then my cool cousins Ron and Robin step in and be like, no, no, Skid Row and Cinderella. <laughs> Pink Floyd's out. Skid Row, Cinderella in. Exactly. Thanks to them, 
we're here today. <laughs> <laughs> so, and shit, yeah, Skid Row debut. You got to love that. Right around the same time, another debut, Warrant, Dirty Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich. These bands basically hit the scene at exactly the same time on a nationwide and soon-to-be worldwide level here. Right on. Let's see what else we got. 35 years ago, Nazareth. Man, Nazareth, I never knew in 1989. When I was young, I'd hear my aunts and uncles' albums of Nazareth, Hair of the Dog, and love it. But I had no idea at the time when I'm getting Skid Row and Warrant albums that Nazareth was still putting out stuff. Now, granted, they haven't charted since 1982, and now it's 1989, but they still got a new album coming out, Snakes and Ladders. Maybe an influence on another band that was Nazareth was a big influence on. Who knows? This one, I mean, I got it. It's got a lot of synthesizers on it, man. These guys, it, it's 1989, but they're acting like it's 1984. And then one more 35-year anniversary, a heavy one. Oh, one of my favorites, Exodus, Fabulous Disaster. It's their third studio album. Probably best-known song on here, The Toxic Waltz. Oh, yeah, that's their best song for sure. Yeah, that's their most well-known, no doubt about that. So that's a good one to bust out, too, celebrating a 35-year anniversary. So let's jump back even further, man. We got a bunch this time. 1984, White Snake, Slide It In. It's their sixth studio album. And really, in a lot of ways, it's the reintroduction of White Snake and David Coverdale back to the United States. Yeah, definitely. Kind of the door opening for what would come with the 87 album. Oh, yeah, because that shit's going to get huge. Here's another band with a bright future with a debut album, Bon Jovi, self-titled debut, 40 years ago. Wow, 40 years of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. here's another one. Here's another one that's a debut album 40 years ago, right around this time. Anthrax, Fistful of Metal. Not a, not a fan of that one. Pre-Thrax, right? Not, not, yeah, not the, really Anthrax. It's... Uh, I mean, in Turbin Thrax. Yeah, it's got Dan Lilker and Neil Turbin. Did you know Eddie Trunk pressured Johnny Z to fire Neil Turbin? No, I didn't know yeah, that. I guess he must have done that. Is that just according to Eddie Trunk, though? Ah, probably. You know how it goes. <laughs> Cannot collaborate that one. Um, but yeah, that's what I saw. And then huh. also 40 years ago, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, their ninth studio album. Mm, damn near perfection. Awesome record. Amazing. If you don't have that one, man, you better get it. Here's another one. 1984. 1984, Van Halen, the end of an era. Yeah. So that's 40 years ago. So then let's jump back. Man, that's crazy to think 40 years ago. I remember listening to that at my Aunt Pam's house. Getting old, man. Oh, God, my back and my bones, they all <laughs> ache. 45 years ago, that puts us back in 1979, Scorpions Love Drive, their sixth studio album. It's amazing. It's a good one. Lots of great songs on there. And, man, that's that's got to be one of them Higposis album covers, right? Hip, yeah, Hypnosis. It's it's crazy. I remember being young and looking at that and just being like, what is going on here? Really made me want to go out and get some bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a better shot at getting the bubble gum than getting the woman. Yeah, I suppose in 1979 for sure. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't picking up many chicks when I was a toddler. No, your parents probably didn't even give you bubble gum. Nah. Big League Chew, though. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, so here's another one. If you love crazy album covers, the debut album from Accept with the Chainsaw Girl on the cover, man. 
That's, that's awesome. an awesome album cover. And it's a really cool album too. Like they weren't really accept yet. They were more kind of more like ACDC. Yeah. Where they, they get a lot heavier a little later on down the line, but there's something special about them. First couple of accept albums where they're not super heavy yet. They're more just like hard rock. Yeah. I like that stuff. Yeah, me too. I like that a lot. And that's the beginning of Accept. Well, here's the end of a band. It's Angel with Sinful. It's the final of their original run. Fifth studio album. They're about to get dropped by Casablanca, not get picked up by Mercury or anybody else. Here's a fun fact about this album, Sinful. Originally, it was going to be titled Bad Publicity. Yeah. And it had a completely different album cover. And there's actually some pressings of that that were made. So if you've got... Angel, bad publicity, instead of sinful, you might have something rare and valuable. Yeah, I think the record company talked them out of that or something. I don't remember what the reasons were, but I guess just calling your album bad publicity is not a great idea. I mean, it's sinful. I mean, what's the difference, really? Well, it's the whole forbidden fruit thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't working. Poor Angel. That's my favorite Angel album, though. It's a good one. It's kind of uh, it's kind of poppy. Yeah, but, but it's less proggy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They do have some good hard rock and songs that are right at about four minutes. Yeah, on that one. All right, and then one more for forty five years ago. Man, here's another birth. The beginnings of Def Leppard. The Def Leppard EP, which is as do it yourself as it really gets. Mm-hmm. These guys go in and they record it themselves. He borrows Joe Elliott borrows money from his dad. When the record's done, him and his mom glue together the paper that the seat that the album goes inside. There's like a thousand of them. Wow! But that was it. So talking about albums that are worth something, if you got your hands on that and still have it, I can't imagine what that must be worth. Yeah, packaged by the Elliott family. Right. Yeah, their own personal family glue was used with love on this sleeve. That's wild. And that's what I got. Those are all 45 year anniversaries back to 1974 for a 50-year anniversary. I only got one. It's the third album by Foghat, Energized. It's a damn good album. And this kind of shows like the steady climb of Foghat in the United States. By 74, they're about there. Their next album. And everything would change. Yeah, and then they were one of the biggest bands in the world for quite a while and still going around today, I think. Yeah, they did. They just came out with a new album last year. Yeah, they're still around. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I mean... Lonesome Dave Peverett's not there anymore. Right, yeah. But I think this is just Roger Earl and some other guys, right? I think so. Just a couple or maybe one of the original guys. I don't know. I'm not really up on my current fog hat. (laughs) You're not a fog hat aficionado? Yeah, I know. I don't know. (laughs) I like that song. I thought the song was good. All right, so then I got one more group for you. And when we go back 55 years, you know, these are all pretty damn legendary. So from 1969, you've got the Beatles coming out with the Yellow Submarine. It's a soundtrack to that weird cartoon. It's kind of a contractual obligation they're trying to do. Four new songs recorded for it that were actually recorded before the White Album came out and then saved and released afterwards. Even that goes to number two in the United States. <laughs> I mean, shit, it's the Beatles. It's 1969. Everything everything they touched turned to gold. Yeah, but they got some up-and-comers coming up, creeping behind them, not knowing that pretty soon the Beatles will be gone and there will be a huge void to fill. Well, here's a couple of bands stepping right into that spot. 
1969, Creedence Clearwater Revival releases their second album, Bayou Country, which is huge. That's the one that's got Proud Mary on it. Mm. And one thing I realized about this that I never knew before was I always assumed because so many people have covered that song. You know, you got CCR did it, and Tina Turner's got her famous version of it. And that's just one of them songs that, you know, so many different people from so many different genres of music cover that song that I always assumed it was kind of like just one of them old blues songs that everybody covered. Right. I had no idea that John Fogarty actually wrote that tune. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. So I always, like I said, I just assumed it was one of those old blues songs that everybody records at some point or another, especially back then when it was popular to do so. And you can ask this next band as they come out with their debut album, which are full of songs like that, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. 55 years ago, Led Zeppelin makes their mark, and they are off to the races after that as one of the, if not the most popular band of their era for a good many years to come after this. So there you have it, 55 years for those three legends and anniversaries for all the rest of them. Man, bust out some Black Crows this week, that first debut album from Skid Row, the debut from Warrant. I mean, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, you never need an excuse to bust that out. Good Fun album, 1984 by Van Halen. Gotta love the early Accept and Scorpion stuff. You know, give that angel a spin. That's got Chris Sinzak's endorsement. I mean, shit, the Beatles, Zeppelin, CCR. You've heard them a million times. Maybe try a little Fog Hat. I definitely I want to hear their new stuff. Fog Hat's new stuff? Yeah. What, are you trying to tell me that next week? I'm going to be surprised to find that Fog Hat's not on your top ten? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd be surprised. Oh. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. So you want to? So this time you want to get into some non-kiss news? <laughs> uh, we can if you don't want to find out about the new albums coming oh, shit, out sorry. or the death days. We should be remembering. I'm a dope. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> not yet. We got more work to do here. So let's do rock star death days. Where is it? Where is it? Did I not open it? I opened it. And I'm not prepared. That's right. None of us have our shit together, you see. Okay. Oh, nice. Well, shit, I don't even got to scroll down because it's January. Right. So we're right here at the top. So these are your rock star death days that we want to remember this time around. Again, we're kind of falling in the middle of the month. By the time the next one comes around, it'll be a couple of days left in January. So let's just knock them out real quick. Randy California, old school singer for the band Spirit. That band has come up on the show many times. Songwriter, guitarist, vocalist. Awesome, awesome underrated guy. Passed away back in 1997 at the age of 45. Man, died a hero. He drowned while he was saving the life of his son, while they were swimming in the ocean off the coast of Hawaii. I was talking to somebody about him recently. Yeah, yeah. we I think you we mentioned him a couple of weeks ago or something. His his name came up. Yeah. So yeah, Randy California, some old spirit, rock that out. Here's one I know that's near and dear to your heart and mine and just about anybody else that loves classic rock and roll. Back in nineteen eighty six, at the age of thirty six, man, he had problems, but he was so freaking talented. What a waste. Bill Lynott. Yeah, I uh, I was reading an article about his last days recently. Um, 
like Dante from uh, Kerrang magazine did like I think did his very last interview and he was kind of recalling how it went and Scott Gorham talking about the last conversation he had with him it, it, was, it was pretty heart wrenching yeah that's some sad stuff to read I've read a little bit of that myself and it's that's one of them guys where you go man you know if he'd lived you know what would he have been doing I mean it's 86 he would have been as know. legendary as Lemmy in my opinion I think so I think so. At some point, you know, Thin Lizzy's going to break the way Motorhead did. Because, I mean, at one time, Motorhead was like kind of an acquired thing. You know, not a lot of people really liked Motorhead. Yeah. Not the people I knew. You know, I'm listening, we're all listening to Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses, and they didn't really talk about Motorhead too much, you know? And then as I got a little bit, a little bit older, I mean, obviously I knew Ace of Spades was an awesome song. Then I must have heard something else and was just like, man, this song's great, too. What else they got? Well, that's awesome, too. And then all in on Motorhead. So at some point, you kind of grow into a band like that. Now, I got to imagine that would have happened for Phil Lynott. He would have kept the name Thin Lizzy, I'm sure. He may have been the only original guy with a lot of different interchanging parts over the years. But I got to think at some point, they would have got real big again. I mean, a lot of those bands, and even the Grateful Dead. At that point in the late 80s, had their big hit, you know, and they came back and made a ton of money, too. Thin Lizzy would have also. I got to believe it. The amount of influence they had on so many people, especially the musician community, I think it, I don't know that, you know, I think Phil would have probably become a a real personality of the scene, just like Lemmy did. Because even if, even if Motorhead's music wasn't great, which it is, he still would have gone on to be a legend just because he's Lemmy. And right. I think Phil would have had that same type of personality. His music was awesome, too. Yeah. That's a damn shame. That's one of those that, if you could take it back, you might want to do that. You might save the world. Here's one. Man, this sucks. Real recent. Talking just, like, last week. He's probably best known as being the drummer for Kingdom Come. He was in Warrant for an album. He played with the Michael Shanker group. And, of course, he was the drummer for the Scorpions from 1998 to 2016. Louisville native, recent heart attack. James Kotak, dead at 61. Yeah, that's a sad one. Um, he really struggled with a lot of vices. That was uh, It was sad that how, the last picture I saw of him, he, he looked like 12 years older than he was. It's He yeah. definitely had a rough time the last few years. That sucks. Well, we're going to have three in a row like that. Yeah. Because the next one I got on the list from 1991 at the age of 30. Man, when this guy died, his band immediately sucked after that, even though they carried on. Talk about Steve Clark, lead guitarist of Def Leppard. Yeah. That's another one that's just a sad story of addiction. Like, And they loved him so much, and they wanted him in the band because he was such a important part of the songwriting and what made that band really cool and they wanted him around so bad and they would give him chance after chance you know and, and please you know you got to do something because his drinking was just so out of control to the very end he's age 30 he's showing up passed out at places at bars and stuff people are finding him Def Leppard says, please get cleaned up. Your spot is waiting here for you, you know, whenever you want it. And just assume that his love of creating music would be enough to pull him out of it. But 
like I said, sad. You know, sometimes addiction doesn't work that way. Sometimes the most important things in your life become meaningless when you're so dependent on something like that. And at the very end, he dies of alcohol poisoning and he had morphine in his system. Yeah. Um, I just remember at the time when it happened, I think I remember reading about, you know, him going to rehab and having issues like in metal edge and stuff, but it still was kind of like, Holy shit, he's dead. It was kind of crazy. Cause he was really fucking young. And then also remembering, I mean, if you remember at that time, Def Leppard was one of the biggest bands on the planet, not just in rock yeah. music, but in music. So, and then all of a sudden, one of their main components is gone. That that it was it was a big story at the time, right? And if you want to know the impact of Steve Clark on Def Leppard, well, take the day he died and go backwards three albums, and then take the day he died and go forwards <laughs> three albums, and compare the difference of the three on each side, and you will know that Steve Clark was Def Leppard. Yeah, Steve Clark dying is what resulted in songs like "Let's Get Rocked" coming out. Ugh. That poor guy has rolled so many times. <laughs> anyway, enough about Adrenaline. All right. Well, here's one that, man, this is a tough one, too. In my opinion, probably technically, proficiently the greatest drummer of all time. And I doubt many people would disagree with that. Back in 2020, at the age of 67, we lost Neil Peart. Or Peart, or however you want to call it. Peart. Peart. I think it was Peart, maybe. I don't D- know. Depends on where you're from. If you're Canadian, you can pronounce it correctly every time. Everyone else, everywhere else, struggle with it. Uh, interesting you bring him up, because um, my wife and I just stumbled upon this thing on uh, Amazon Prime called uh, Getty Lee Asks, Are Bass Players Human Too? Have you heard of this? No. I'm sure you probably saw the Jerry Seinfeld thing, the comedians in cars getting coffee, where he hangs out with another comedian. Okay. Well, it's it's kind of the same vibe as that, but it's just Getty hanging out with other bass player, a different bass player in each episode. And uh, the first episode was with him hanging out with Les Claypool on his ranch in California. And part of the ranch has this bar set up, and then they walk in, and there's a blackboard on the back of the bar, and... Uh, Les Claypool points at it and he goes, well, that's been up there since the day it happened. And it says, rest in peace, Neil Peart, um, have a toast on him or something like that. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, Getty got a little choked up seeing that. But uh, it's a great show, though. It's really it's really more about getting to know the personality of the people he's talking to. It's, he's actually really good at interviewing people. Yeah, sounds like that Sammy Hagar show, except much, much cooler. Yeah, just no Sammy Hagar. It's even better. <laughs> Troy Maturin's already typing up his angry message. Yeah, sorry, Troy. We're just being entertaining, buddy. Trying. Uh, actually, Sammy's show is actually kind of fun to watch. I've liked it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So then, man, too many. Too many. David Bowie, back in 2016, at the age of 69, he had liver cancer. Fast Eddie Clark, passed away back in 2018 at the age of 67. You know, classic motorhead. Of course, Fastway. I just realized he had a couple of solo albums. I put them on the list. I had no idea. I didn't either. Yeah, I want to check those out. Uh, yeah, he had pneumonia, and at 67, I don't know what the deal was. It hit him funny. Didn't do good. Burke Shelley. Not a lot of people probably recognize that name, 
but he's the founder, songwriter, vocalist, bass player from the band Budgie. Yeah, very U- talented UK guy. rockers. Yeah, super talented guy. Uh, he had he had heart issues for a long time, and he also had something called Stickler Syndrome. And at 71, and it took him out. That guy, very underrated. People probably only really know Budgie is like, oh, that's that band that Metallica listened to when they were young. Right. But they got they got a lot of good stuff. There's a reason those guys listen to that band. Very underrated. All right, here's one from last year. Man, this one's a bummer still. A lot of people were so bummed out when this happened. At the age of 78 in 2023 from bacterial meningitis, legendary rock guitarist Jeff Beck. I learned something interesting about Jeff Beck. I probably shouldn't give this away, but I should save it for a Beat the Geek. But he's known for being such an awesome guitar player. But a lot of people don't know that he was into classic cars and especially collected old Fords. And he knew his way around these cars like he did a guitar. Like he could he'd get out there and work on them himself. He did all the work himself on his classic cars. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. Here's one. Well, let's do two of them since they're so close to each other. Many years apart. Same band. Talk about the New York Dolls for a minute. Got a couple of rock star death days within their ranks. Uh, let's see. First one, the old drummer, Jerry Nolan. Passed away in 1992 at the age of 45. Also, like Jeff Beck, bacterial meningitis. They led to a stroke. He spent weeks in a coma. That guy did a lot of drugs, though, when he was younger. Oh, heroin. He did heroin his whole life, pretty much. Yeah, partied hard, too hard with the death drugs. He was lucky to last that long, really. Mm -hmm. But 45, man, that's still way too young. Yeah. His bandmate, Sylvain Sylvain, lasted a lot longer. But back in 2021, at the age of 69, he passed away. Man, he had cancer. Yeah, that was a sad, sad day. Yeah, I remember you telling me when he very first moved to town. He was living here in Nashville, and Chris come to me all excited. You know, Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls is living here. I'd love to talk to him. Well, you ordered an awesome poster from him that was autographed and everything, and we are trying to work it out, but I think, what, he didn't really... I don't think he really understood the concept of what we were trying to do. No, he was just confused, because I tried getting him at Rockin' Pod, too, and it was just... He was just kind of like, ah, if I if I, if I want to do something, I'll let you know. And and with Rock and Pot, I was just like, yeah, but you can you get to meet a bunch of fans and you can sell stuff if you want. And he's just like, no, it's just not for me. Uh, he yeah. just seemed a little paranoid, but um, but was really nice to me on the phone. And even though all I got was the phone, one phone call, it was an honor to get to talk to him. Yeah, maybe he wasn't even feeling good at that time anymore. Maybe it's possible. It was a it was a like a five minute phone call, but um, yeah. but yeah, still treasure the autograph photo i've got of him and johnny thunders very cool and then let's see uh let's do do just a couple more i guess yeah let's do one more uh tim bogert he was the rocker from cactus was in the band with carmine uh cactus is one of those bands like if you're into like classic rock to listen to where the bands you like today or the stuff that you grew up on, where that came from, a lot of it comes from a band like Cactus. And you can tell by listening to it that like what a lot of your favorite bands were probably listening to this band too. Tim Bogert, bass player, lead vocalist, was a big part of that. He had a tough time. In 2010, he got into a real bad motorcycle accident 
and basically ended his touring career. And he had health issues with that for many years. And then by 2021, at the age of 76, he passed away from cancer. I mean, it's what is it? It's drugs, it's cancer, and this week it's bacterial meningitis. Watch out for that shit. Don't catch none of that. He was a great player. Yeah, really good. I don't think he gets talked about enough, and I don't think Cactus gets brought up enough either. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we should do the best and worst of Cactus just to show people something. I really have to brush up on my Cactus, but yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to check it out. Oh, man, I got all their stuff, and it would be worth it to brush up on your cactus. That doesn't sound pleasant, but it would actually be good. <laughs> Sounds pretty prickly. <laughs> I don't mean for it to come off like that. All right, so those are your rock star death days, the people you want to remember. we got a bunch of them this time. You know, I like it the weeks where there's less, but can't help that. Too many drugs, too much meningitis. All right, so... Man, that's always kind of a bummer. You yeah, know, you I know. Brought, I like that, though. You get you get brought up with the album anniversaries. Think, like, yeah, man, those albums, they were awesome. Wow, I can't believe they're that old already. And then you get brought down with the rock star death days. And you think, man, I miss these guys, man. You know, what could have been? Or what, what, what could there be? And then you're feeling down. Well, then we round it out with this. New albums to look forward to in 2024. It's a new year. We got all new albums coming our way. Not off to too much of a bang in the first month of the year, but we got a few. These ones are already out. That Russell Gunn's collaboration on Frontiers, Medusa, mm-hmm. that's out now and available. I've been meaning I need to, I should have put that on pre-order. I know I want it, so I should have put it on pre-order. I didn't. I think that week I probably only had 20 bucks. So I was like, eh, put it on Ace Fraley. <laughs> but I'm going to get that for sure because I love Great White. And I love the guitar playing of Tracy Guns. So, I mean, from what I heard on it, it sounded great. And I want to hear the rest. All right. So, this one's also out now. I don't know if you're that familiar with this band. Kind of a UK prog rock thing. They've been around for a long, long time, though. Uh, Magnum is the band. I've tried a few times to get into this band. It just doesn't fully... It's a little too... Yeah, it's a little too proggy for me. But they're a talented band, for sure. I mean, you got to be. This is their 23rd studio album. It's called Here Comes the Rain. It's on Steam Hammer. This is kind of a weird thing because I guess this is going to be their last album because right before it came out, and this was also just last week, this could have been on Rockstar Death Days, their longtime vocalist and guitar player Tony Clarkland passed away. And this was just like a week ago. Damn. And their new album's coming out now. So... If you're a fan of Magnum, my condolences to you, but, man, you got one last album out of it, so better enjoy that. And then also out now is one that we talked about last time about, hey, where are these albums that we were promised in 2023? Well, the Rods heard and the Rods delivered because their new album's out now. It's called Rattle the Cage out on Massacre. It's their ninth studio album. Do you want to impromptu beat the geek question? Sure, why not? All right, no choices. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just got to guess. Uh, who is the lead singer of the Rod's cousin? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work when you don't get the choices. It's not as fun. Uh, this guy is Ronnie James Dio's cousin. Oh, it's um, what's David it? Feinstein. Yeah, David Rock Feinstein. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mitch Lafon used to like have him on like every week on his show years yeah. ago. That band, The Rods, is pretty damn good. I never knew nothing about them, but I actually like them quite a bit. I like what I've heard, but I've only heard a handful of songs. But yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty good. I need to get more of their stuff, but I when I'm out CD hunting, I never see it nowhere. I always look, but I never see it. Yeah. Where are you? Right behind the Paul Rogers? No, no rods. <laughs> no. All rod. right, so so then here's a couple more that are coming out right about this time right now as you're hearing this. Oh man, so many people that listen to the Decibel Geek podcast gotta be so excited for this one. It's the fourteenth full length studio album from Green Day. Oh. Hooray. I like some Green Day. They're, they got they got some stuff. They're early stuff, man. They got the guitar player. I mean, he comes up with some pretty good stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. And the drummer's good and the bass player's good. But, man, I don't know. I have a hard time getting into them anymore because they're so... I don't know. I don't know. There's something about them that really gets on my nerves nowadays, and I don't... It's been that way for a long time. And on a, on a Green Day album, for me, there's probably two good songs on each one that I like. Maybe more. I, well, the thing is, like, they're, it's a blessing and a curse with the American Idiot album because I like what they did with that album. I like the, the riffs on it. it. It's a good album from start to finish. But ever since then, everything they've put out, to me, has sounded like a, a clone of American Idiot. Yeah. So it's like they don't... They've kind of found their their formula and they're sticking to it all the time. They don't want to clone no Dookie? No. But Dookie's a great mm. album. Yeah, it's got some good stuff on it. Mm. Just like I always always remember that one song I had like didn't 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 Oh yeah, Nimrod. Didn't 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 and that's like that is so lame. But yet it sounds cool. Is it Nimrod that that's called? I can't remember. Something like that. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. On my even own, know. here we go. So, I mean, Green Day's got some stuff. Maybe this one's good. I don't know. If somebody out there is a Green Day fan, let us know what this new album's like. Is it something? Is Green Day something we should be doing a best and worst on? <laughs> I would do that. There's enough of their stuff I like where I would do it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I bet you that would be pretty easy because it'd be easy to pick a best and a worst, I'm sure. Hmm. Hmm. Let us know in the comments, do you want to hear a best and worst of Green Day? Yeah, I was going to say, let us know. <laughs> we'll do it. We're not scared. We'll try. The comment section will be full of, fuck no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What's wrong with you guys? Snap out of it. Why don't you do a best and worst on Saxon? Yeah, they got a brand new album out. That one would take us a while because this is their 24th studio yeah. album. We could do a whole separate podcast for that. Sax cast, all Saxon, all the time. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Hell, Fire, and Damnation is the new album title. Uh, Silver Lining Records in the United States. Keep your eyes open this year. They're coming. Saxon's coming across the sea to the United States. They're bringing Uriah Heap with them. They're not playing here, though. No? No. Damn. Maybe I can find somewhere nearby. I'd love to see Saxon. I think they're doing either St. Louis or Atlanta. Yeah. Man. Everybody forget about Music City. Hmm. I don't like that. (laughs) All right. Got a few more. This one's coming up on the 22nd. You'll be able to pick this up. It is Riley's L.A. Guns, The Dark Horse, Steve Riley's final album. I'm glad that this is still getting put out because that first single was so good. Yeah. I'm interested to hear the rest of it. 
And the first album's good, too. You know, good on Golden Robot Records for making this happen. I know it's divisive because of the whole L.A. Guns thing. And me personally, I would rather... I'd like to see this band go on, is what I'm trying to say. You know, I think that tagging the L.A. Guns name does this band a disservice more than it helped them. And yeah, you got Kelly Nichols in the band, and yeah, you had Steve Riley in the band, but I just think, you know, make... Calling it L.A. Guns kind of cheapens it because the band is too freaking good to just carry the label of another band. They're good enough to stand out on their own. They should have their own name, and I hope they keep going after this. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Renegades was awesome. The single that I heard off this song is this album is really good. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest. This one I'll be picking up too. Yep. And then on the 26th, I might need your help with this one because I'm not sure if this fits or not. Was Alkaline Trio one of those bands that opened for Kiss back in like the reunion times? I'm pretty sure they've never opened for Kiss. Or maybe that was Econoline Crush. Yeah, that they definitely did. They opened the Canadian dates. I always get those two bands mixed up. I don't know if Alkaline Trio is any good, but I do know they got a new album coming out, Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs. Mm. I like that. Saxon gives you hellfire and damnation. Alkaline Trio gives you blood, hair, and eyeballs. <laughs> Hitting all the necessities. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all the major food groups. Right. There you have it. All right. And then one more for this time around. Not too long ago, we were talking about Static X. They had the Project Regeneration Volume 1 came out last year. Leaving the question, well, where's Volume 2? Here it is, Project Regeneration Volume 2, out on at Sego Entertainment, coming out on the 26th. If you love Static X, you love that heavy-ass, like, what are you, like, ministry-type music, you Industrial know? metal. Industrial metal, yeah. If you love that stuff, then you can't go wrong with Static X. Although some people classify Static X as new metal, but I don't know if I w- would really classify them that way. Hmm. I don't know. You think about it, they're, they're kind of... I don't know. They're more industrial, but in the time of new metal, yeah, maybe. The, the same era, but they don't really... I wouldn't put them in corn next to each other. That'd be a hell of a tour, though. The Static X uh, 7 Dust tour is coming here soon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, what, they were supposed to play in Murfreesboro? Yeah, and that was a shit show. I think we talked about that on a VIP one time, where it was those two bands were supposed to come play this town called Murfreesboro, which is outside of Nashville. It's the next biggest city over, and uh, yeah, none of their demands were met as far as what they needed to feel comfortable to do the show. As far as like security, I'm sure there was brown M and M's involved, (laughs) and all that. And so that show ended up getting canceled, even though people were there to see them. But it's a good thing they're coming back, so that. The people that had the tickets for that show can still... It's at a different venue I'm taking it, right? Yeah, it's at Brooklyn Bowl, so get ready oh, to, nice. Get ready for $50 a ticket and $40 for parking. But yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah. And freeze your ass off the entire time. Right. Well, maybe it'll warm back up a little bit by then. I don't want to sit in a field with a bunch of people I don't know freezing my ass off listening to a band. Oh, you're talking about Hop Springs. Oh, is that where it was originally? Yeah, that was... That they had an outdoor stage there, but Brooklyn Bowl's indoors. You mean East Side Bowl? Mm-mm. Brooklyn Bowl. So well, Brooklyn Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl's where I went and seen the uh, Queens of the Stone Age. No, that was Ascend Amphitheater. Oh, that's Ascend. Okay, all right. 
All right. Brooklyn Bowl's over by the Sound Stadium. Oh, okay. I've never been there. Oh, it's a a cool venue. It's just pricey. Yeah. Aren't they all nowadays? Yeah. Everything. All right. So there you have it. Those are the albums to look forward to. That's your Camaro segment. And now back to the news. And now for some non-kiss news. Drama, drama, drama. And we might have, I'm wondering if we're going to wind up with two Saigon kicks soon. Oh, I saw a little something. <laughs> I saw a little something. We went from zero Saigon kick to factions of Saigon kick fighting with each other. So if you don't know, um, Beeler and Phil Verone, and I think Chris McLernan's going to play bass because he was a part of this band, this version of the band too, I think, um, yeah. are going to do a 30th anniversary tour for the Water album, which I think is cool. Um, I'd, you know, obviously prefer Matt Kramer be the singer because I, I like Water, but I don't like it as much as the first couple. But does Matt Kramer appear on Water? The original one? I don't think he's or is on that, Or no, is that when he's already out of the band? Yeah, this the I think Water was the first one where Jason sang lead. Right. So what the hell's Matt Kramer got to say about it? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> so... They put, they put out the press release and they announced the dates and everything. And then Matt Kramer decided to speak on his Facebook page. And he had a lot to say. Um, I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but um, essentially saying, you know, I've been getting flooded about being asked about being on this tour. I'm not in it. It's the 30th anniversary of Jason funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars of my personal publishing money that was demanded I not touch into the band so he could squeeze me out of the band after I sang a top 12 pop hit launching the band's gigantic hit. Then, meticulously, he left me penniless and confiscated all my gear so I wouldn't even do writing sessions for a new project. It just goes on and on and on and uh, talks about how he's been robbed and Jason has one of the most evil people he's ever met and blah, blah, don't give them a dime, blah, blah, blah. And he, so he's pissed that he's not involved clearly. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's some pretty boy Floyd shit right there. And then Beeler had to respond because of course he did. And if you know, Jason Beeler, he definitely has a way with words. Um, yeah. this is funny as hell. Um, I'll just read, I'll try to, I'll go through some of the some pieces of this. It says, maybe it's a new Marvel character called Super Victim. I know we're all looking forward to that on the big screen. I hear the plot is about a guy, no matter what happens or is shown to them, regardless of any facts, accepts no responsibility for anything in their own life or career. And somehow, even though they claim to be the most talented person in the room, never actually achieve anything of note in 35 years. Even though they are ignored by nearly everyone and no one with firsthand knowledge ever says anything publicly to back them up, does our hero stop? Hell to the no! You have to admire someone banging their head on a wall for 35 years and blaming the wall. Uh, and it goes on and on. And then the, the climax may be a scene where our protagonist is in therapy and the doctor says, show me on the doll where the music industry hurts you. And uh, maybe the movie ends with the, an anti-hero, the evil scumbaginator, coming into the room and saying, if you, have an, if you have an issue, a real man would deal directly with the people and attempt to correct it. Failing that... You would seek legal remedies, and it just keeps going on and on. But it's uh, very witty and well-written, and they've just kind of been going back and forth with uh, bashing each other on Facebook. Well, and that says right there that Matt Kramer has no claim to the Saigon Kick name. Yeah. And so they can do whatever they want to with it. I'm I'm assuming Beeler holds it. Yeah, I think he owns it all. I, I could be wrong. 
And here's the other side of that too is like Jason Beeler's been doing stuff all this time. You know, mm-hmm. what whatever happened to Matt Kramer? Why isn't he doing anything? I haven't heard anything. I mean, he may have been, but I don't I think he's he said he's became a vocal coach. I think that's his job now. So he's waiting for the day for the big Saigon kick reunion when he's going to get his glory after all these years of not doing nothing in the industry, like his big return, his, you know, he, all the people that he's been telling all these years, yeah, that, that's I sang on that song. You know, it's finally going to get to see it. And when he opens up his Facebook and sees that there's a Saigon kick reunion that he knows nothing about, that's got to burn. Yeah, and he did do... They did do a reunion with the original lineup in 2012, but they only did a handful of live shows. They didn't, that nothing happened. I guess it fell apart again. Right. And if this, this sounds like a kind of a Skid Row Sebastian Bach situation where you would think on paper, you say Saigon kick reunion shows. Those are going to become way more valuable with Matt Kramer involved. Yeah, you would think. Instead of doing the water album, you say, hey, we're going out and doing these shows. We're playing the entire Lizard album. People go pretty fucking crazy for that. I mean, I I would be excited for that. I would travel to see that. And so that would be pretty awesome. So the fact that they don't want to include this guy must also back up the things that Jason Beeler is saying about not having a real claim to anything. And so much to the fact that we're going to do these shows for the anniversary of this album that casual rock fans probably don't know that well. A lot of the coolest ones definitely do, but on the majority, you say Saigon Kick, name an album, they're going to say The Lizard. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that definitely before Water. <laughs> right. So that becomes more financially rewarding. Yeah. By doing The Lizard, having Matt Kramer come back. And so to say, no, no. We'd rather just tour for the anniversary of the water, like just us, not him. That tells you, you know, he must not be pleasant to be around. I don't know. Uh, and Beeler also did a, uh, just abruptly released a song on like SoundCloud with a picture of him as Satan. And the song's like, they call me Satan or something. And it sounds like he wrote it on the spot about this whole situation. I could be wrong on that, but it, that's what it sounded like to me. So better fighting faction, Saigon Kick versus Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Saigon Kick says, hold my beer. I don't know, the Pretty Boy Floyd thing has really gotten bananas. I actually lost track of all that. My idea was to keep up with it, and then after a while I was like, I don't want to keep up with this. <laughs> well, considering one of the parties involved has almost got our YouTube page taken down, uh, I think oh, I want to yeah. leave that subject alone. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I'll let you guys figure out who it is. I mean, you know what? It's all good. It's all good. And I tried to be professional about it. That's all I'm going to say. Did that ever get resolved? Did you ever get an answer on that? Never heard a damn thing back. Ah, Fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Um, I don't want to get into that. I don't get threatened. Um, 
But another, we're not done with the band drama yet. Apparently, oh, no. there's Alcatraz drama now, too. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. <laughs> Alcatraz drama. So there, No, the, that wasn't at the top of my news feed. There's two versions of Alcatraz. There's Alcatraz the band, and there's Graham Bonnet's Alcatraz. Mm. I think Alcatraz the band just came out with an album not too long ago. They did. And that's the one that has Gary Shea and Jimmy Waldo in it, who were also in New England. Right, okay. So apparently, and Graham is has this girlfriend, Beth Amy Hem- Heavenstone, I think is how you say it, and she's 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 his manager, his girlfriend, and his bass player. So okay, all right. I don't know if that means his new album is recorded in doubly, but you know, think on it. Um, apparently, the, Graham and her are doing interviews together to promote this, and they've just been bashing the hell out of the Alcatraz band and oh, damn. and she's making claims like Graham wrote everything. The guys in the band never wrote any, any of it. None of, none of the material, all Graham bonnet. I find that hard to believe. Well, yeah, they were the because, primary writers for new England too. When they were in that right. band, they're writers. That's what I'm saying. Those guys wrote a lot of the new England songs. So I mean, it's just, you would think that, yeah, they would have a hand in that stuff too. So that seems silly. And, of course, the Al- the guys in Alcatraz were like, this is ridiculous. You know, you've been with him. And she even admits in one of the interviews that before she met Graham in 2013, she didn't even know who Alcatraz was or who Graham Bonnet was. Yeah. Not that I... that's a knock. I mean, not everybody knows who everybody is, but it's right. just she comes off kind of not as well informed. Because, I mean, I, I find it very hard to believe that Gary and that you know that and Jimmy are not writing most of that stuff. Right. But I mean if you're the girlfriend, the manager, and the bass player, you better just do whatever you're kind of told to do, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I'm I mean she's well informed as far as his situation goes, but Right. But it's like what's the point in I don't know. I just don't get the I guess cuz they're in direct competition so they're going to just slag each other back and forth. Oh, I have all the things to be fighting over. Alcatraz. Alcatraz, Pretty Boy Floyd. <laughs> Even Saigon Kick. And Saigon Kick. Kick. There, there's, a, there's a tour for you. Yeah. Headlined by Great White uh, and L.A. Guns. Every night, each set will have a Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park-like battle scene <laughs> on stage. <laughs> Whichever band is standing at the end gets the title. Uh Graham Bonnet standing. There can be only one. Mixed metal arts. Why can't Graham Bonnet just do the Graham Bonnet band? Why does he have to do Alcatraz? I don't know. And then he announced a couple of band members that were like two guys from uh, Nevermore today. Yeah. but Which is an odd pairing. But I don't know. The other band's got two Alcatraz members. Graham Bonnet's Alcatraz has Graham Bonnet. Whoever gets it, Ingbe is the winner. Or the loser. Depends on how you look wow. at it. Yeah. You're definitely a loser. But uh, Ingve wants nothing to do with any of this, I'm sure. No. And neither does Steve Vai. Because Ingve knows he stands alone on his name. And Graham Bonnet really, I don't know, that, that kind of does seem petty. Because Alcatraz on their own, like those other guys, if they're not going out as New England, then they might as well go out as Alcatraz. But Graham Bonnet, he doesn't necessarily need to go out as Alcatraz. I mean, he's been in so many different bands. Why don't he go out as Graham Bonnet's Rainbow? 
Well, he usually goes out as just Graham Bonnet, but I guess now he's trying to latch onto the Alcatraz thing, and that's what started. Maybe that's what got everyone pissed off to start with. Right, and that seems like the kind of thing you do when you said you got word that the other guys were bringing Alcatraz back. You're like, not without me, you're not. What are you going to do? Well, I'll form my own Alcatraz. But like, but you don't need to. You're Graham Bonnet. You know, you've been in all these different bands. I got a ton of solo albums. You know, just be Graham Bonnet. Hell no, you fuckers. You know, you think you're going out as Alcatraz? I'll directly compete against you in the in the world market as Alcatraz. Come on, it doesn't even need to be like that. Things have gotten really desperate, and the, don't forget the autograph situation too. Oh, yeah. That's another <laughs> band you could add on that bill. A lot of these bands just duking it out in court and sniping at each other. It's, it's gotten ugly. They're like amoeba cells. They just split apart, and sometimes they go back together, and then they split apart again, and they look identical, and they sound identical, but they're different. favorite headline of the week and i really all i really have to do is read the headline i don't even have to really look at the article do i um ross the boss on his creative relationship with joey DeMeo. people called us the Lennon and mccartney of metal songwriting <laughs> and by people he means ross the boss yeah all right <laughs> no one ever told him this the Lennon and McCartney of metal songwriting immediately Ross the Boss and Joey DeMeo from Manowar pop into mind. Good God. That is funny, though. <laughs> That's awesome. Ross the Boss, you know, you can tell by his name and his loincloth, he's full of confidence. Yeah, and they, in the interview he claims, you know, because denim and leather was the real look at the time, so he's like, what's more manly than that? <laughs> A small piece of deer skin. Yeah, and a bunch of baby oil. <laughs> Manly oh, and smooth. So there's your Manowar headline for the week. So, uh, Ralph nice. Vieira, I hope you're happy. He's like the one person I know that likes Manowar. We need more of those. A Manowar headline of the week? Yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. For levity, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> All like right. We talk about all the bands that hate each other, all the members that'll never work together again and splitting apart in two different versions. Like, I can't take it anymore. You hit me with the Ross the Boss. Hey, people called us Lenny McCartneyist metal songwriting. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
couple stories left. First one, Pearl Jam uh, is claiming their new album will be a lot heavier than you'd expect. Well, that doesn't say much, does it? That's a trick. I don't expect the new Pearl Jam album to be heavy at all. You're a smart man. That's a dirty trick. Oh, they're trolling us. Guess who's producing it? I don't know. Andrew Watt. What? What is this guy? Works with Ozzy, does the new Stones record, and now he's working on Pearl Jam. Does he, he must have like nude photos of somebody doing something really awful. We did this. We did this because of back. California Breed. <laughs> when California Breed came out, and we were like, "This guy is freaking awesome!" You know, it's wow. He's a hell of a guitar player, man. He playing with Glenn Hughes. You know, yeah. this guy must be a true rocker. We like this guy. We endorse this guy. And then what happens next? He produces all the albums. I don't want just one guy producing all the albums because then all the albums will sound the same. I don't know what the thing, and I have not. I I don't mind the production of the records he does, but every time I've every time I've listened to him, I'm, I listen and I'm like, well, it's okay, but I it, nothing that makes me think this is the in demand guy. He just must be a hell of a lot of fun to be around. I wonder if he's writing a lot of this stuff too, and that's why he's attractive to these bands because he helps them write. Oh yeah, it's like, hey Ozzy, how many songs you got? I got two. No problem. I got the other nine. Let's go. I know he wrote, he wrote a lot on the Aussie stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know about the Stones. I'd have to look at the credits. But I don't know. He's he's the in demand guy. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's hear what Pearl Jam cranks out. That's quote unquote heavy. Because you know what? There are a lot of Pearl Jam songs I like, and it's like the heaviest Pearl Jam, so that's a band we could do the best and worst of. Pearl Jam, Green Day, our show is just going completely off the rails. I'm just thinking outside the box. Like it'd be fun to do that, like the heavier side of Pearl Jam. Oh, I'm fine with doing it. I just some of our listeners, boy, anything after ninety two. Yeah. <laughs> and respond to me if you're cool with stuff past now. I mean most of our listeners would be open to it, I think. It's just yeah. I'm just being a smart ass. Like, no, don't do Pearl Jam. We want the best and worst of EZO. What? All one album of it? <laughs> I think they had two. They had, I know they had two. Was it two albums they put out? Yeah, at least two. Just had the one. I wonder what ever happened to those guys. Nothing. I mean they must have gone on to do other stuff. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna look into that. Do a new thing I'll create called the Family Tree of EZO. <laughs> All right, so last story, and um, remember my conspiracy uh, about a month ago about how Blabbermouth always cherry picks the way Ellison David Ellison quotes things to yes, you know, to sort of brush up on his cactus. Yeah, and oh yeah, totally. He, they, they totally bristle his cactus all the time. And you even gave us a bunch of examples that day, and it all rang true. Like everything was innuendo about you know touching yourself or erections or 
you know, whatever. But it was all, it was, man, that's no conspiracy. You prove that to be true. Well, I've got more evidence. <laughs> okay. All right. I want, I believe it. Let's, what is it? Well, this one's pretty on the nose or on something else. Um, David Ellison on scandal that led to his exit from Megadeth. When you bear it all, you've got nothing to hide. Oh, my God. It's true. There's no denying that's what they're doing. They must fucking hate him. Or they're just having a giant laugh at his expense. It's, it's just funny as hell. Like, I hope he listens to this show, and I hope he realizes what's happening to him. He's got to realize, right? He's got to move off of this subject. He's, I mean, this is one of those things where he, yeah, he, he took it on, he took it full on at first and he, and that was brave because he's like, I'm just going to get, jump into projects and promote, but he keeps entertaining these questions and he always gives them something. And it's like, yeah. this is a case where it's like, you've said all you need to say on this. If, if you're smart, you just say, look, I'm not getting into that anymore. That's all you got to right. say. But even at that, like if they're talking to him about something completely different, like, hey, that new thing you're working on, was that a very difficult thing? And you go like, yeah, it was hard. Don't don't say it was a hard situation or anything like that. Don't say, well, you know, it was a really hard situation. Damn it. Yes, we got him. Yeah. Well, I talking about anything. I if I was his manager, I would say, well, first, I would say take a break from interviews, but uh, also. Yeah, don't give him any ammunition at all. You know, God. move off of and it. I, and I hate it for him because he was a really nice guy he, when we got to hang out with him. He is a really nice guy, but he it's one of those things where today's media is not going to let it let it go. They're going to yeah. keep jumping on it. And I mean, yeah. and we're doing the same thing right now. Because they want headlines like, when you bear it all, you've got nothing to hide. And, you know, <laughs> it was a hard proposition. And, you know, I, I ain't worried because I've got it handled and there's, things like that. There's a lot of great albums coming out this year. It's a lot of stiff competition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Blabbermouth can't run. Well, let's go. The stiff. He should just come out. He should just every interview just say, "Okay, I'll just say it. Penis, penis, penis." Now ask me real questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't jerk me around. Don't oh, damn it! I did it again. So we go off on a masturbation story. I figure that's a good way to wrap things up. As it should be. After all, people have often called us the Lennon and McCartney of rock music podcasting. And by people, he means Aaron Camaro. <laughs> That's right. So there you have it. It's the latest and greatest happenings in the world of hard rock and heavy metal brought to you by us truly, the Decibel Geek Podcast. For Chris Sinzak, I'm Aaron Camaro, and we'll see you next week. Oh, with our top 10 albums of 2023. Chris, are you finally ready for this? I think so. Man, you've been stressing. You had to have extra time. I, I am just dying to see what your top 10 is over a hundred albums in contention wow wow you've got ocd my friend i certainly do good thing it only happens once a year yeah my wife agrees with you right on so we'll be back with that next week you'll finally know what the best albums of 2023 were and then we've got a whole new year of fun stuff coming your way in 2024 so as always thank you for spending your time with us we appreciate it very much rock on and we'll see you next week. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.